Hey, 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 it's Bayo J and welcome to The Motion, a debate podcast which sees two guests with conflicting opinions engage in an intellectual tug of war to sway my vote to their side of the motion. From music to society, culture to sports, the topic may vary from week to week, but one thing is always guaranteed. Your emotions will be set in motion. Now, you know the purpose of the motion is to sway my opinion, Bayoje's opinion. But what you don't see on the episode, because obviously we're focusing on the fierce debate, are times where the guests change their minds as well. And so at the end of each episode this season, I ask the guests something that they think differently about having done the episode. Let's take it back to the first episode of this season. Do you have to read to have an opinion? With Nicola arguing that you should not have to read to have an opinion and Mara taking the opposite side. People who have nothing but conviction and vibes just saying Jack. Lupe Fiasco is a rapper. He came into this room, socialism versus capitalism. Did not even know the Wikipedia definition. Just vibes, right? <laughs> just vibes. At what point? Does a lady who has an unfortunate accident with Gorilla Glue, and I'm so happy that she got it out of her hair, does that become an expose on the trauma (laughs) of black beauty standards? Can we have a rest? The world we live in today is me saying that I really like having avocados for breakfast and someone telling me that, oh my God, it's a privilege and you're looking down at every single person that can't have avocado for breakfast and it's ridiculous. You know, opinions are made every single day. It's unconscious, it's conscious. A lot of it's happening every single moment. Let's see what they changed their minds about. When you even told me about the debate, you remember I was like, Jesus. <laughs> because I was like, I am literally going against every fibre of my being. But um, I think I never really thought about what it was like to not necessarily know enough or have access to knowledge. I think that sometimes even I can be guilty of being a little bit elitist and being like, why are you just kind of spewing things? You don't even understand what you're saying. And I think that I, I, through kind of thinking about this a little bit more, it's given me maybe a little bit more empathy um, for the people that may not necessarily have access to these things. And some people might have access, but just don't know how to... To, to get that, you know, and need an extra help or need a bit of a boost and they may not have the ability to do so. So I think it's given me more empathy to people that can't engage in these conversations in ways that they might have wanted to before. No, that was so sweet, girl. <laughs> Similar to Nicola, I think, especially with her closing remark, before the earliest book or what not, what, what were we doing? Which is very interesting. Now I'm going to Google that. So something that she kept on bringing up, this idea of opinion sharing. Like, we talk a lot about council culture, and it's a case of when do we know... I think my question now, and I want to explore maybe in my own leisure time, when do we know when <laughs> someone is genuinely wants to know and, you know, is ignorant, but they want to know, or, you know, they're just happy spewing the nonsense that they, that they want to. Um, so that's something that I, that I find very interesting and I'm going to think about differently. Now on to episode two. Do we really need more black period dramas? This conversation made me laugh so much. We had the pilot pod from the States arguing that there is not really a need for more black period dramas and Corinne arguing the opposite side. If there were a time that you could travel to in history, Corinne, where would you go? Ooh, that's, that's a good question. Not too far back, not too far back. <laughs> Just pre-pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, what kind of escapism can black people do in history? How many versions of Pride and Prejudice and Little Women have we seen? 
show of hands, I know this is an audio medium, but I would say <laughs> I don't have enough fingers. Had, I mean, white people could tell you all about Spartacus because, I mean, that's one of the biggest films of all time. Where have we learned about, I don't know, maybe an ancient warrior who was of black descent? Even the Billie Holiday film that's coming out about the FBI versus Billie Holiday. So many people do not know any of that. They do not know how the FBI tapped and watched black people and tried to stop activism. I think there's such an opportunity to be both educational and exciting and just new through period drama. Let's see what they changed their minds about. I liked Corinne's point about the popularity where it is a trend right now and it can be important to hop on those trends to get more exposure. That's something I really hadn't considered where sometimes you do need to follow trends. Yeah, I'm not a period drama person. I don't really watch them or engage in them. So just understanding the popularity, the deep popularity of period dramas is fascinating. When I looked into them this week and ahead of this podcast, I was just like, wow, they have a real hive, uh, including Corinne as a, as a member of the hive. It's a hive of mainly middle-aged women, I think. But, you know, <laughs> you know there's a lot of period dramas that are heavily white that I still recommend, especially Versailles, amazing show. Yeah, I think I hadn't really thought about, you know, this whole idea of the train and the train not really being inclusive. And I thought it was a really, really beautiful point um because it is true you know we need black people to be involved at every level and it's it's going to be more difficult to to sort of shoehorn your way in than it is to create our own path which is kind of exactly just a beautiful point like i think we need to create our own things and you know we can make our own genres let's do this Episode three was the legendary generational debate with my mother and sister about the royal interview. As it wasn't really a typical debate, we couldn't really ask what we changed our minds about because it really just was a lot of screaming. So episode four. Episode four featured the lovely co-host of the No Shade pod. We were talking about online dating. Hinge or unhinge, has online dating ruined the true meaning of love? First of all, money after you make. Second of all, money have you make. <laughs> if I come up with a great idea, I'm sorry, I should definitely get paid for it. I think that, like Kwe said, why should you have to pay to find love? But then you don't have to. You could just find love in person. I shouldn't have to feel that way when I'm when I'm meant to be on an app. There's meant to be like nurturing and that like, everyone's there to for that one objective journey. That is not the purpose of these apps, sis. The apps are not there to nurture you. The app should definitely not be nurturing. <laughs> I feel like with the safe space, I feel like we've been throwing that out way too much recently on social media like people are looking to clubhouse to be a safe space i feel like people are searching for safe spaces in places that are not going to be safe life is not even a safe a safe space (laughs) not gonna say too much but this may have been one of the episodes where my little social experiment of uniting different sides did not work (laughs) Um, i I think you and aquia definitely raised some good points what'd you say i said not not really. really And here I was about to do a whole speech about how great your arguments were. <laughs> I do appreciate all the arguments. Um, however, I just feel like even though it's not, it does, it's not the root cause. I think it definitely yeah. is one of the causes to watering down love. I mean, sometimes not the app itself is the people on the app that are unserious candidates. So, yeah. I feel like you raised really good um, arguments. But I think that I just think... Maybe I'm just too Nigerian. I just think that if you don't want the love, if you don't want to pay for love, don't go on the platform. If you know it's going to make you feel bad, if you don't want someone to, you know, judge how you look or anything like that, don't go on the platform. Like, let's just... So for episode five, we're looking about the entertainment value of women's sport. Is it simply less entertaining than men's sport? 
I watched a video to sort of get into this mindset and it was titled why women suck at sports <laughs> and it stated as we mentioned before that the physical makeup might make them better at different sports and testosterone might make them more competitive but a quote that made me burst out laughing <laughs> said the idea behind the conversation of whether women's sport is less entertaining than men's is an anti-science social justice agenda <laughs> so I want to ask you Charlotte what you have to say to that and I just have to say, I did not have to ask this question at the end because Ben came around a lot earlier than usual. So here is a clip that I actually had to take out of the episode to ensure that you guys could still hear a bit of a debate rather than a conversation. But still interesting nonetheless. Um, but yeah, and you said earlier that, you know, what I said kind of speaks into the fact that there might not be a, hist- a future for the game of the, the women's game. And I actually think one of the exciting things about the fact that men decimated the game for such a period of time is that at this point in time we are able to watch the game grow i used to watch women's football when i grew up uh, the arsenal ladies i'm a big fan of the women's game i find it funny that the sponsorship argument was always used men use that example to say that's why you know women are crap you see that the, the they can't pass all, all of this whatever but actually we also run the trope that women can't stop shopping that they're completely out of control when it comes to uh, the whole consumerism uh, aspect of social life. So really and truly, a lot of these teams and a lot of these clubs are actually missing a trick by not investing in women's football. Because if women are so so incapable of controlling themselves when it comes to shopping, then surely pushing you know football in front of them might actually be might be a good idea. That's that that would be my counter argument to a man who who made such a point, but by not tailoring the game to 50% of the global population, you're missing a trick. But also, you know, when I look at men's football, the top players aren't all white. You've got such a good representation of white and non-white players that you think, how can you be, you know, sort of no offence to the general of Millwall, but as, as a club, they do have a tendency to be racist and, you know, sort of prejudiced. And you think, but some of the top players that are representing your country who you're so patriotic about, are not white like what are you doing things on panel once again i feel like i'm not necessarily debating with you i'm definitely agreeing with you but they're all such important topics that i'm, I'm glad that we're having the conversation i think the conversation we're having is really important and really progressive and i really really hate to do this but I think we need to get back to considering what really is entertaining about sport. There's so many forms of entertainment that are problematic. I mean, if we look at Love Island, for example, it has a thousand issues, (laughs) but we still tune into it. How much of the entertainment that we seek for in life is toxic? On to episode six. This featured music journalist Ray Sang and ex-music journalist Tom Segev on whether we still need music journalists, whether we need them as, as gatekeepers or as tastemakers, whether they even still serve that function. I like that, one, because I like your reason, and two, because it kind of makes my point for me. <laughs> Not too sure about that, but... You can't tell me that something that's an 100-word piece telling me that this song is out now is a review. <laughs> I don't believe you because that, that's ridiculous. What have you reviewed in 100 words? I'm sorry, that's that's crazy. I do not remember the last time I saw something remotely negative or remotely critiquing or remotely kind of like possibly even introspective on a print magazine. I think we could both agree that it, print is not where it used to be. Let's hear if they were able to change their mind on anything. I'd say to the breadth that music journalism could be con- 
considered under. The point of where it's going to go can be made quite well and quite positively if you consider the new mediums that music journalism can be considered under. I, I, I kind of like that, that idea and kind of broadening it out more than what I thought before. For me, I would say in terms of how it's sort of merged with PR, I kind of like was kind of vaguely aware of that before, but I don't think I'd realised how bad it was until this conversation so yeah i think that's definitely like made me a lot like more aware of how how deep-rooted a lot of these issues that we've been discussing today actually are and of course the last debate was with me debating against nicola if we actually think about it we've been talking for years and if you think about what we're explaining we're explaining our existence how the hell do you do that? How how do you spend the entirety of our existence explaining what it is? <laughs> Obvious that something or, or what we're saying, it's not working. Maybe it's not talking about it that needs to stop, but the way that we talk about it. The conversation about race has become very, very reactionary. We have Black History Month and then nobody likes black people anymore. I do believe that it has come some way. Are we where we should be? Absolutely not. It's going to take ages, let's be real. A way to help is to allow the conversation about race to be more continuous. It only happens after a death, after a, an instance of police brutality. I imagine that we are in a locked room, our captors outside and we're screaming. We're underground, no one can hear us, mm. but we're still screaming. Mm -hmm. We're still yelling. What are you doing? No one can hear you. And they're just looking at us, make a fool of ourselves. And so my question is, what is the point of, of going on about it if that's what they're doing? The point is that I hear you, Nicola. That's the point. I hear you. <laughs> there is a reason why people are uncomfortable about the conversation of race. Still to this day, despite us knowing that it doesn't really have much weight. Yesterday I was I was updating my signature at work. Had options to add the way that my name is pronounced. My full name is Ife Olua. I go by Ife when I'm not podcasting. And so I started. I wrote if plus slash e slash pronounced e. Save E, an elephant, something that white people can say. And I still knew that that wasn't enough. So I wrote not E, like slash E, E slash, and not uh. I've made a three letter name into maybe like a 10 word explanation <laughs> of how to say my name. And I took it out because I said, you're going to ask me how I pronounce my name because that's something that you feel uncomfortable doing and that's not something that you should feel uncomfortable doing. Part of the reason why the Panthers were so effective is because they made people feel uncomfortable. Black people having power and there is also power in this conversation because it brings discomfort out of people. Even though I don't feel uncomfortable talking about race, you do. And until you get to a point where you're no longer uncomfortable, then we can stop talking about it. But you're still uncomfortable. As we switched up the format again, this wasn't possible. I kind of forgot to ask it because I wasn't hosting, but I will give you a little bit of insight into this episode. So it started with, I wanted to argue something that I really didn't believe in. And originally I really didn't want it to be about race because I find that when you play devil's advocate and it's to do with race, it's... It's a bit tricky because of the state of the world that we're in right now. It's, it's a very sensitive topic. Even though I did see the other side, to be completely honest, spoke about it with a friend and she said, you know what, like, it might just be better to find someone that, you know, actually believes that and me debate against them to see if I can change their opinion. And I found that the more and more I researched into why we should, why we should talk about race, I just found so many reasons about why we shouldn't. It's mostly from a position of the emotional turmoil that it causes. Because when we say, should we 
stop talking about race and we look at what the main conversation about race is about and, and who's expected to do most of the emotional work it does fall on those who are most oppressed. And I'd say that if it was a case of us being able to take rest, the people who are most oppressed, I'd say, you know, continue it. But I think because it does fall on us, it's a really difficult thing. And I think I, but I also think what else can we do? So I really do wrestle with it in my head. And I just want the world to be a better place. Like that's really what I want, like to be completely honest. And I think every day I wake up and, it seems harder and harder and harder and it's like it's like what Nicholas said in the episode you know why are we talking and you know giving so much to things that can't be heard and then I just get to the I just get to the point it's like well what else and I think that's the issue I think that's why I'm not so let's stop because I can't think of a better alternative I think people do need a bit more realism at times I do think um, people need to hear hear different insights <laughs> so that is it we're halfway through the season and we will be back with the motion special battle of the goats tv edition this time so really really excited to be honest if you're listening to this you're definitely like a motioner so I just want to thank you for all the support <laughs> I don't really know what to say Cue the music! <laughs> the conversation does not stop here. Follow us on Instagram at themotion underscore. Tweet us your thoughts at themotionpod underscore. Send us an email, themotionpodcast at gmail.com. And listen to our radio show every Sunday live on Wizard Radio from 5pm. Be blessed, stay safe and have a wonderful week.